So yes, uh, we're continuing our series, and I'm looking at Peter today, which is really cool. So I wanted to start with Peter's character. So it's just looking at Peter sort of generally and saying, what kind of guy was Peter? And, uh, well, most of you pretty much in this room will know that I'm a complete nerd, um, and I, you know, watch nerdy things. And one of the things I tend to watch on YouTube, because I'm a complete dork, um, is there's these things called like ups and downs videos where you someone will like review an episode of something like uh, the latest Star Trek episode or uh, a Marvel episode of something and they're giving it up if it was good and they give it a down if it was bad and you know, it's a really simple format but I thought let's do that for Peter because that would be fun so if uh, it's something like I'm going to give it an up and if it's something that's not so great I'm going to give it a down um, <laughs> so uh, start off with uh, Peter's calling. Uh, you know, many of you know that Peter was a fisherman, and Peter was washing his nets. And Jesus says, "Come, follow me, and I'll teach you how to fish for men." And Peter drops his nets and, or probably ties them up and puts them somewhere sensibly because he seems like that kind of guy, and then follows Jesus. So that, to begin with, definite up. He gets the invitation from Jesus to come follow him, and he goes yes, and he has this adventurous sort of spirit that I kind of go, yeah, yeah, Peter, go for it. And it's, got, it's just good. I think it's uh, just quite a good character that Peter has. He's just this adventurous spirit. He was brave and bold and up for an adventure. Uh, then in Matthew 8.14, we discover he's housing his sick mother-in-law. Um, you know, house, housing very sick family members is probably something we're quite used to at the moment. But um, another up for that. I really like that. That it shows he's like this family man. He cares for his relatives. He's looking after his mother-in-law and... You know, just sometimes housing a mother-in-law is... We'll leave it there. <laughs> so that gets an up. And we see that Peter is this bold and brave guy because he's the guy who jumps out of the boat onto the water. He's the one who says, Oh, Jesus, if you're there, um, if that is you, call out and I'll, I'll jump on the water and come to you and let's go for it. And Peter does that. He's just got this brave, adventurous spirit and he's just up for jumping out of the boat. Unfortunately, uh, this is one of those moments where Peter does something that's very much Peter's character, where he does something really awesome and then instantly follows it up with something really stupid. <laughs> so he then takes his eyes off Jesus and begins to sink in the water and Jesus has to rescue him, so that's Peter's first down. Oh yeah. Uh, but Peter often has this where he does something really cool and then something slightly less cool. Um, Peter is the guy in the Bible, in the Gospels you'll find, he's the guy who is always asking the questions. He is the guy who's saying, hey, Jesus, what about this thing? And what about this? And what about this? Um, and I'm going to give that, after some deliberation, an up. You could see that as he's the annoying guy who keeps asking questions and give it a down. But the answers that Jesus gives are things that absolutely shape our lives today. Like some of Peter's questions are things like, how many times should I forgive my brother? Which, you know... Uh, really important questions that have you know, massively changed how we live today. So I think that's really cool. Uh, Peter is one of Jesus's closest friends. So he has his 12 disciples, but then he has his like his three besties who he takes with him for, like the special, special moments. Um, and Peter is one of those alongside uh, John and James. And he often gets to see things that not every disciple gets to see. One of which is the transfiguration which is this epic moment where Jesus sort of goes, and there's my glory, and Moses turns up, and Elijah turns up, and it's pretty epic. Um, and Peter's response to that moment, I'm going to give a down. 
because what Peter says is, let's build three shelters, one for each of you, um, and which isn't a response that's particularly downworthy in its own right, but Mark tells us in his gospel that Peter said this because he didn't really know what to say, which is so Peter is just going, oh, I don't know, <laughs> just like throws out anything because it's like, oh no, it's an awkward silence, I must fill it with words, you know, that's just so Peter, he just blurts this thing out, um, and so that sort of, you know, as a bit of a down on Peter's character is that he will just think not necessarily before speaking or, you know, feeling the room. So that was uh, Peter in that regard. But he does blurt out something pretty awesome pretty soon after that, which is, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, when asked, who do you think I am, Peter? So that gets a very much definite up because he realizes who Jesus is. He may be asking questions, he may be slightly annoying at times, but he's also paying attention. He's watched what Jesus has done and listened to what Jesus is saying and he's worked it out and seems to be the first disciple to really sort of click and realize exactly who Jesus is. So yeah, definite up. Um, And then this is one of those moments again where Peter does really good, not so great. (laughs) So he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then says to Jesus, who's just told him, and I have to you know, go to the cross, die, raise, raise to life three days later. And Peter's like, no, you can't do that. I'll never let you do that. So I'm gonna give that a down because he's just declared that Jesus is the son of God and then decides that he should tell the son of God what to do. <laughs> like you're the son of God and you should do what I think is right. That's, yeah, so not ideal. Um, it just seems completely bonkers to think that you'd, you'd say, you're the son of God, but now here's what you should do, son of God. <laughs> it's just, just a bit bonkers. And Jesus ends up actually saying to Peter, get behind me, Satan, because he's you know, really not impressed. So that's a down. But that's Peter overall. His, his story up till sort of the Lord's Supper, at least, is very much a story of ups, some of which are very, very up and very, very amazing, and then some seriously down downs. He's very sort of almost uh, David-like in that respect, very like, woo ah! Um, but, you know, it's, Peter's this complex character with good points and bad points. And, yeah, we can see that he's impulsive, uh, enthusiastic, he spends quite a lot of the gospel with his foot in his mouth, uh, but he's also brave, and he's sort of, you know, he's a fisherman, he's rough around the edges, he's not, like, pristine and educated and stuff. So, that's sort of up to the Last Supper. Now we want to sort of look at what happens between the Last Supper and the cross. So not a lot actually happens at the Last Supper itself in regards to Peter, but um, there is this great exchange between Jesus and Peter on the way to Gethsemane. And I really like this. There's so many moments in the gospel where something happens on the way. There's so many moments where Jesus will be heading somewhere and gets interrupted and then this amazing miracle happens, or he's like on a boat traveling to somewhere and then has to still a storm. He's, there's so many moments that are on the way, and this is one of those good moments. My nephew, uh, a few years ago, had this joke, which he really loved. I'm gonna see what you make of it. So, knock, knock, interrupting cow. Moo! <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, he loved that, and most of you are laughing. So that's good, because I think, Interruptions can give you two responses. You can look at them and they can be interruptions of things that have happened which you weren't expecting, which make you smile, which many of you did to that interruption in that joke. 
but often interruptions in today's world make us despair. They, you know, some, to that joke, some people go, oh, you know, that's terrible. Um, but that's sort of how you can be in response to an interruption generally in life. You can go, oh, wow, that was a really fun thing, or, oh, you know, I'm far too busy to be interrupted, and what an inconvenience. And I think sort of we need to be a bit more open to being interrupted as God's people. So that's just a putting out this kind of thing. But Jesus says to Peter and the rest of his disciples, you're all going to abandon me. You're all going to leave me. You're all going to be running away and leaving me to get on with the horrible things that are coming. And Peter says, never. <laughs> Clearly not learned from his earlier <laughs> thing <laughs> at all, where he said never to Jesus having to go through all this. Um, he carries on and says, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. And Jesus replies with, actually, you know, you're going to deny me three times by the day, time the rooster finishes crowing. And Peter, still in full foot-in-mouth mode, carries on and says, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Um, and there's an interesting moment here, actually, where Peter, after saying that, all the other disciples go, yeah, and sort of get behind him and go, yeah, we're with you. And so Peter has this almost natural leadership quality, I think, where he people rally behind him and actually he's got this natural leadership quality that sort of comes through in that. Uh, Luke's account of this conversation uh, between Peter and Jesus on the road, uh, it, Jesus says to Peter, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I love that. That seems like such an important moment that actually isn't in the other Gospels, which is really bizarre. But Jesus prays for Peter that his faith wouldn't completely fail. And I just love that. He's like, you're going to let me down, but I'm going to pray that you don't let me down to the point where you're completely destroyed and your faith doesn't fail completely. And he says, when you have turned back, he has faith that Peter will come back around. And he clearly has a plan for Peter after that. He has a plan for Peter after he has failed. And I think that's really important. I'm going to come back to that in a bit. Um, but then they get to Gethsemane, and Jesus goes off to pray. He's got his three besties with him again, uh, Peter, James, and John, and says to them, don't fall asleep. I'm going to go over here and pray for a bit. Don't fall asleep. And they do. And interestingly enough, Jesus sort of comes back, and they're asleep, and then goes off to pray, and comes back, and they're asleep, and in effect just comes back and goes, seriously, Peter? Uh, and it's just, it's quite, it's funny, because Peter is the only one that gets called out. The other two are still there asleep, but it's like, oh, Peter, I expected better of you. But the bad guys then rock up to arrest Jesus, and Peter is the guy who then slices the ear off uh, this guy, Malchus. And what's interesting is, I always pictured it like that, the sort of a whoosh with the slicing off of the ear, but I was reading a commentary and it said the sword that Peter was carrying was probably a short sword and you wouldn't have a slashing motion with that. So probably what happened is Peter went and tried to stab the guy straight up in the head. <laughs> and the guy moved at the last moment, so it just took off his ear. So it wasn't Peter going, ah, small flesh wound. It was Peter was trying to take this guy out and he came off with just an ear going. So. You know, Peter was this, you know, rough around the edges fisherman guy, and he was just like, Aah! you know, he was potentially a little bit scary at this point. But I just thought that was really interesting, because I'd always thought of it as a whoosh, and it's more of a whoo. Um, but yeah, I, I just find that fascinating. Um, but then Jesus gets taken away, and Peter and John follow Jesus and the guys that have arrested him, and they end up sitting around this campfire outside where Jesus is being 
interrogated, in effect. And we then get Peter's denials of knowing Jesus. So, no, I don't know him, no, I don't know him, no, I don't know him. Cuckoo, oh yeah, that guy. Um, so, but Luke's account of this, again, absolutely breaks my heart more so than the other gospel uh, depiction of this. It says, so this is after his final denial. Luke says, at that moment, after his final, uh, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's word splashed through Peter's mind before the rooster crows tomorrow morning. You will deny me three times that even knew me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. So you can just picture that, can't you? That Jesus is there, like having all this sort of people shout at him and accuse him and horrible, horrible stuff happening. And he just has this moment where he just looks up, turns to the window, looks out the window across the courtyard to the fire where Peter is and just meets eyes with Peter in this sort of, you know that I know what just happened sort of way. And Peter just breaks and runs off just completely broken. And then we get to the cross. And as far as I can tell, Peter wasn't there. Um, Mary is mentioned by name, John is mentioned by name, and there's no mention of Peter. And I can, going by the rest of the, the gospel stories, if Peter was there, you would know that Peter is there because he would have said or done something because that's kind of who Peter is. But that just shows how heartbroken and how just distraught Peter was. He'd, like, just denied his best friend. He'd gone against what he'd said and uh, just was completely wrecked. But the cross wasn't the end of the story for Jesus, and because of that, it wasn't the end of the story for Peter either. Mary comes and tells Peter the tomb is empty after Jesus has risen from the dead, and Peter runs. He drops everything with uh, John and just runs to the tomb. And I just want to read that bit because I think it's, oh, it's there's something funny in there, but it's also really moving. So it says, so Peter and the other disciple, John, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth, uh, and they end up going, wow, and they believe. But what I love about that is that this is the Gospel of John in which this is written, and John said, Peter was running. He didn't get there first, though. <laughs> that's such a bloke thing, and it's just, that's so human. Go, like, we were both running. I beat him. And, 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 <laughs> and just, he says that, like, Peter, where is it? Um, uh, Peter reached the tomb first. So he's saying that Peter reached the tomb first, despite the fact that, you know, I got there before him. Peter went in the tomb first, but I was there first. It just seems like a, would you not have gone in first to the tomb if you got there first? But he was, like, seems adamant that, you know, I was faster. So I, I just love that. It's just such a blokey thing. And so Jesus is risen from the dead, and uh, soon after this, Jesus appears to his disciples and says to Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus tells him. And then Jesus repeats the question, Simon of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter says, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus says. And a third time he asks him, Simon of John, do you love me? And Peter at this point is feeling a little bit offended by being asked three times and says, yes, of course I do. And I often I've heard people speak about this bit of scripture and go, you can hear the 
take care of my sheep, to feed my lambs, and all this kind of stuff. And you can focus on uh, Peter's sort of role within the church, looking after others. But I've got to say, what I see in this is the absolute compassion and forgiveness of Jesus. Because he gives Peter, a man who denied knowing him three times, the chance three times to proclaim that he loves him. And you just know that Peter would have been like reliving that denial again and again over in his head. And Jesus just gives him this amazing, beautiful do-over where he, Peter gets to say, yes, I know you and I love you. And I just love that. That just like, shows Jesus to me so much that he uh, gives Peter this chance to make it right. And I love that. So that's sort of the, the story of Peter as such um, up to sort of the cross and the resurrection. So the question is, what can we learn from that? <laughs> what do we do with that? We're not fishermen, what do we do with that? Um, so my first thought was this, and that these were all really simple thoughts, um, but I think, you know, really good. And the first one is, Jesus called Peter. Jesus called this impulsive, foot-in-mouth, rough-around-the-edges, loud-mouthed fisherman to follow him and become one of his best friends. Also, Jesus knew that Peter would say things he would regret, and he wanted him anyway. He knew he would deny him, but he wanted him anyway. He knew at one point he'd become a sword-wielding brute, but he wanted him anyway. Jesus called Peter knowing his past mistakes and also his future ones, and he called him anyway. And so I just think that's amazing for us, isn't it? Because that says that your past mistakes and your future ones do not discount you from doing amazing things with God. I'm going to say that again because I think that's important. So your past mistakes or even future ones do not discount you from doing amazing things with God. I love that. I think that's brilliant. Because often you can go, oh, you know, I was all right then, but then I did this thing and now how could God use me now? Nope. Uh, you know, because God chose Peter. My tablet has gone to sleep. That is not helpful. <laughs> Some random advert turn up. One second. Dramatic interlude. Um, so the second uh, one was this. These are really profound statements, these. They're very good. Peter knew and loved Jesus. So for all the moments we looked at with the, like, the ups and downs of Peter, the two moments that, for me that really define Peter are the one where he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God, and you know I love you, Lord. Uh, a few weeks ago, Ryan was looking at what does it mean to be a Christian? And he said, fundamentally, it's someone who is known and loved by God and someone who knows and loves God. And that was it. That's what defines us as Christians. And that's what, for me, defined Peter too. It wasn't his successes or his failures. It's his love for Jesus that comes across strongest in, throughout the whole thing. And being a Christian is not based on you know, how much scripture you know. It's based on how well you know Jesus as to how effective you will be. Um, obviously, knowing scripture helps a lot with that. Uh, but the thing that's important is our relationship with Jesus. Uh, what was it on the Bible study you said? Was it your grandpa said something about that? Do you want to recall that? I couldn't remember it word for word, so I thought yeah. I'd just ask you. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's something along the lines of sort of a, you, no, we don't want to end up with religion, because, there we go. <laughs> there we go. So yeah, like that was that was you know that's so Peter and that should be us too. That we don't want to be um, religious. We want to be people who love Jesus. And maybe we're a little bit rough around the edges, but if we love Jesus, that's what's really important. Um, thirdly, Peter never stopped being Peter. So if we go beyond uh, the resurrection, there's some classic Peter moments still. So. In Acts 2, they've been filled with the Spirit. They go out, and who is the loud-mouthed person who proclaims to the like, masses what's going on? Of course, it's Peter. <laughs> He's the guy who's like shouting the good news at all the people who were gathered. He's still loud and enthusiastic. He is still Peter, but he's a Peter full of the Spirit, and God is using that, and that's awesome. Uh, there's a great bit in Galatians 2 where he's basically told off by Paul. Uh, for not eating with Gentiles, Peter is still a guy who gets it wrong. He's still a guy who makes mistakes. Just, you know, being post-cross, post-resurrection, filled with the Spirit, doesn't mean that he doesn't still get things wrong. He's still occasionally wrong. And there's a great bit in 2 Peter 3 where he's talking about Paul's letters and just goes, a bit complicated in places. And this is Peter! But I love that because he's Peter. He wasn't this well-educated theologian. He was a fisherman who knew Jesus. And that comes across. He's like, I, yeah, yeah. So some of us can read some of Paul's stuff and go, wow, this is like, we, like with Romans, we took us how long to get through one chapter because it's so theologically rich. But Peter read his stuff and went, oh, it's a bit complicated too. So I just love that. Um, Acts 4 uh, there's this great bit where Peter and John are before the Sanhedrin and they're described as ordinary unschooled men, which I just love. And Sam Ward did a thing uh, a few years ago where he went into the, the Greek word for ordinary, which is brilliant because the word is idioti. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the unschooled bit, um, when we were going through Acts, I said about this whole thing, which is good actually because... Um, uh, Paul Francis actually said the same thing at the New Wine things. I was like, oh, good, when I spoke about this, I didn't make this completely up. Um, but there was a thing where in that culture, between the ages of six and ten, you would learn verbatim Genesis to Numbers. And then if you were good enough, you would then learn verbatim Joshua to Malachi. And you'd also learn this sort of uh, answering a question with a question thing um, that Jesus was very fond of. And then if you were the best there, then a rabbi you would apply to and he would look at all the applications and choose the best of the best of the best to be his disciples, to be his followers. And Jesus went and chose fishermen. He didn't seek the best of the best of the best of the best of the best, the most educated, the most elite. He chose the fishermen. He chose the normal, everyday people because Jesus is accessible to everyone. And I love that. The disciples were people who had flunked out, effectively. And Peter was not this well-trained guy. He was just a fisherman who met and loved Jesus. And so I've only really got one point as such today, and it's this. Don't write yourself off. No you know, Peter was a guy who got things wrong. He was a guy who put his foot in his mouth occasionally. I am prone to do that on occasion, and that's really annoying. 
Um, but, you know, God used Peter, this guy who was flawed, who got things wrong, who was a bit rough around the edges. He was a guy who wasn't the most well-trained, educated, elite person. He was just a normal guy. And, you know, he, he was a guy who could have been haunted and uh, stopped by the stuff that he regretted. But actually, he kept moving forward. And when he knew that Jesus was there, he ran towards him with enthusiasm. And so, even if like you've been completely, emo- like Peter, when he denied Jesus, was completely emotionally broken and thinking God would probably never forgive him, and he did. So there is nothing that you know we cannot be forgiven of. We know this because he forgave Peter. So God can use you. It doesn't matter how rough around the edges you are. He can use you. Um, and all you need to be used by God is to know and to love him, and that's enough. So... Don't write yourself off. Um, cut yourself some slack. Uh, seriously, stop it. Um, and yeah, just know that. Think, if you ever have moments where you think, oh, I, I've, I've let God down, Peter. You have moments where, oh, why did I say that, Peter? Just you know, remind yourself of this guy who had ups and downs and God used him anyway and loved him and he's actually one of Jesus' best friends. So that's my takeaway today for Peter. Um, I'd really love to pray for you all, if that's okay. Um, if you're able to stand, that'd be great. If you don't want to, feel free to sit, say sit down. But, yeah. Father, I thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. That you are the most forgiving and compassionate God. That you can use idiotize and the unschooled um, to do incredible, amazing things for you. So I just pray, Father, that when we have low moments, when we think, oh, I'm not as good as that person, or God could never use me because of this, that you would say, no, I love you, you love me, and that's enough. Um, And I pray that you would make us bold and confident in that and look to the future with hope and with expectation that you will do good things and that you will use us in amazing ways because you used Peter, a guy who was rough around the edges and who was just an ordinary fisherman. So I thank you, Father, that you can take ordinary people and do extraordinary things with them. And I pray you would do that with us. Amen.